and welcome to the Incontention Podcast. This is Sam Stodd, your host, Matt Cranstuber. How's it going? And Ruben Bressler. Hi guys, how are you? Ruben the Sweatpants Black Bressler. That's right, I got a nice set, well, pajama pants Bressler. I got a nice uh, operation-themed pajama pants going on today. I enjoy how you're just like, no, I'm not wearing sweatpants, that is beneath me, I'm wearing pajama pants. But here's to me. You just gotta go buy scrubs, and then just you like... like I'm a doctor? Yeah. And Dr. Ruben Bressler. How's it going, guys? And I can just, like, cut out in the middle of the podcast. I like it. It's an honorary doctorate. So, we haven't been on in a long time. Right. Yeah. We we took a little hiatus uh, a couple weeks in a row due to illnesses slash conflicting schedules. And being in Dallas. Being in Dallas, among other things. But we we are back and better than ever. And uh, we got lots of stuff to talk about. And early this week, because I'm going to be leaving for Baltimore in a minute. Right. Yeah. Not a minute, but, you know, like. A day and a half. So, so. Invitational this weekend. Yeah, starts yeah. the games Invitational. Two out of three of us will be there. Right. I'll uh, be attempting to battle, and Sam will be t- doing commentary. You'll be battling, and you'll be attempting to win. And we'll, well, yes. we'll be talking about the decks, because sure. it's very interesting, uh, very interesting meta in both formats. Uh, but let me let me do our uh, our hashtags for the show. Stop trying to be quiet as he opens his and kind of what's in the cup stand? uh shockwave it is the <laughs> speedway brand energy drink shout out to the bridge yeah. one dollar that's gross pretty aw- it's pretty awesome that that sugar-free shockwave energy yeah i always get sugar-free energy drinks so i just I, you know if you poured that on a car how many seconds would it take for the paint to be chewed off uh <laughs> it, it might take overnight Easy. i i'm calling all right well where's your car <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no. All right. Hashtags. Uh, started off, we have GP Nash and uh, uh, some requisite or sub, sub hashtags. And then we have Star City Baltimore, Star City Dallas, Intangible Bandhammer, GP Indy, and MTGO Cube. Not necessarily all in that order, but those right. are some of the topics we're trying to cover. So uh, let's start with the oldest first, and then we can lead into some of the other things. Uh, something we didn't get to talk about because we missed a podcast is GP Indy that happened several weekends ago, right? Uh, which was Legacy, and I mean, that was an awesome tournament. It actually actually also happened the same weekend as Cersei Dallas, which we will talk about after this, but we'll talk about the GP. First. I see your, pr- your uh, priorities are. No, save the I best for last. Yeah, I appreciate save it. The best for no, yeah, save I, the best for second, apparently. Yeah. So anyway, I was in Indy. Um, and I played in in the Legacy GP. It didn't do well. What did you play? I played. Okay, let me preface this by saying I have a long and illustrious history of last second switching decks because I I don't have faith in the deck that I have in my hands. Uh, and so I brought Dredge with me because I was going to play Dredge, and then I play tested it and I could not win a single game two in a million years, even with the changes to the sideboard. So I just switched to and a bunch of guys from Athens came to Indy. And one of them had an extra copy of Mono Blue Control. Now, the last time I audibled into Mono Blue Control, I top eight at a Star City Open. So I was like, all right, this is awesome. We'll do this. And I played it, and I, st- I-, I had one buy, and I started 3 0, and I was pretty pretty proud of myself. And then I promptly 0 3'd and dropped. Fair enough. <laughs> well, this GP was interesting because, uh, you know, I- obviously there's a, a huge number of players there. What was it 1,211 yeah. players, I think? Right. Which is great for a Legacy GP. Right. And uh, this was the return of High Tide. Um, yeah. A lot. A lot uh, it was actually talked about a lot during the coverage, um, but we actually had a, I believe, one, maybe two. One uh, in the top eight. One in the top eight. Both Hatfields played it. Right. They both uh, did. 
and then they both no one of them missed day two oh. playing for day two the other one top 64 the Hatfields have a lot of candelabras they do well <laughs> they have at least eight at least eight that's a lot that is a lot of candelabras and then uh, and then someone else I think top 64 with uh, with high time high at least all, one of them it was also responsible for one of the more awkward rules things to ever occur to match yeah okay uh, so I, I forget the guy's name who was playing it but basically, he end of turned a uh, meditate. meditate. Okay. And then his opponent took his turn, and then he got his turn back. Right. They forgot to take the extra turn. And so they realize it, like, oh, the, then the somebody casts something, a force of will is used. I think the high time players cast something. His opponent force wills with the daze, and then they're like, oh, wait, we forgot about this whole extra turn thing. And they actually rewound it using the cameras. And it's, yeah, rewinding. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Rewinding is something that does not happen often. And I, I think people think that it happens a lot. And, uh, as you know, when you're judging, rewinding is incredibly uncommon. I mean, we have seen some crazy stuff happen. There was a, um, a I want to say it was a, a limited event where uh, somebody accidentally played like a turn two or three Inkwell Leviathan. He thought it was a different card in his hand, but he put it down and passed. His opponent was like, all right, placement go, and it just goes to attack, and he's like, oh, that's an Inkwell Leviathan. And they're just like, well, too long to go back. It sticks. Right. And that kind of stuff happens, because, you know, the, the, the basic rule is that you don't rewind because the opportunity for somebody to forget is way too high. Like, I can place, I can get so much information out of it if I, you know, allow my opponent to do something wrong and then, re, and then try to get a rewind later. Mm-hmm. So you just let it stay. It's it's not a good solution, but it, there's not really a good way to solve issues like that. Like you know, paying the wrong mana for something, paying too little mana. Yeah, that's that's a pretty awkward situation. I like I was I was there, so I wasn't paying attention to the the camera stuff. But that's a like has it ever? I mean, with force of will and counter spells, that's even more awkward than just having exactly. an extra guy. In exactly, and then also um, like there was a rewind of the Pro Tour with uh, one of Kibler's wolves didn't die, and then they. Went back and they checked and they let it, you know, let it die. So interesting, interesting uh, subtopic. Is there a possibility that in events that have coverage, that there could be a new change to the IPG that would allow for rewinded game states in certain situations? I, I think that they're going to keep it on a case by case basis for the foreseeable future. Sure. There again, the problem with anything like rewinding is that once you create it as a normal thing. It's really just take abuse. It's really easy to abuse. Yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, and both players, it's easy for both players to abuse the rewind. I mean, yeah. so there's no, there's really no reason to yeah, like oops, I missed my bob. Like right. you know, I had I had unfavorable tax. We should go back and get my bob trigger or something like that. Like well, yeah, and just like if you cast something for the wrong mana, um, I can let it resolve, right? And then do something on my turn, right. and then be like, oh wait, we need, like you know, we need to back up. Yeah. Well, we're not judge cast, so we won't grind that topic anymore. I want to talk about these top eight decks because this is going to feed directly into our conversation about uh, the Invitational this weekend. Um, so let's talk about the, the top eight players and the decks that they played. It was and a I'm good top gonna, eight. It was a great top eight. So I'll just go through the player name, uh, what they played, and uh, we talk a little bit about it. So uh, first player is Pascal Maynard playing a Maverick deck. It looks like just straight green-white. Canadian stalwart. Skull Manor, Kane Stalwart. That's the one that had uh, Stoneforges in it? 
That one he did have he did have Stoneforge. Okay. No, 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 no. He did not have Stoneforge. Right. So this is the Stoneforge list Stoneforge yeah. uh, uh, Maverick, which is interesting because they asked him why, and he he basically said it's the weakest card in the deck, which I completely agree with. Right. And he runs redundant copies of Jit, but he really doesn't have. He has no other equipment in the deck. It's it's a Night of the Reliquary deck. Um, has he, has, jit, yeah. he has a couple interesting choices. He has Sylvan Safekeeper in the main deck. Right. So um, Green Sun Zenith with. For, uh, because that basically acts like a green mother of runes a lot of the time. Yeah. Where you don't want to even cast a swords on an animal when there's an active mother of runes yeah. on the table. And it protects your knight right away. Right. Um, well, it, 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 like, you, the thing is that you can have it on the table and never even have to sacrifice a land. Because people are just afraid of it. Sure, sure. It's so. the spike till hatchling effect. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and then the other couple strange cards, for me, he had crucib- one Crucible in the main deck, which is, like, not really uh, typical for these types of decks. I mean, I, I guess you could have it in the sideboard. Yeah, because he has no way to tutor it up. Yeah. Um, he, and he doesn't have... He has, like, two Enlightened Tutors in the sideboard, so he has, like, sort of the Enlightened Tutor sideboard plan, but, like like you said, it's probably more likely that that would be in the sideboard to, to right. bring to board in, but... Do you want a card I want to see in these decks? Which one? Harvest Worm. That's the one, one green. That's a three two that gets for a colorless and a green. I think it gets, gets a, like a land. Basically, it's a land. A land. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a land. That's really good. Yeah, and you can just you know, I mean, with all the wastelands and fetch lands, we should double check on that guy. It's a three two, I think. It's a three for two. two. For uh-huh. two. Yeah, that's that's some pretty good. Time. I'm gonna be a cool guy to, to zenith for. I guess for value, to just get your wasteland yeah, back, yeah. get a guy to, to equip. Yeah, it's, it's like a one in the stone forge version. Uh, the, the other uh, sort of odd choice for me, I really don't like this when I see it pop up on the list, is Avon Mind Sensor. Um, I'm just not a fan. Again, you can't tutor for it. He doesn't have a lot of equipment in How this deck. How many does he have? His two. That's fine. That's like, you know, people are really, uh, like, um, spoiled with the tutors that they're allowed to have now. So it's like, if you run a one of in a deck, and you're like, well, you're running... Uh, a Green Sun Zenith, and Enlightened Tutor, and Stoneforge Mystic, and Night of the Reliquary. You can tutor for all those types of permanents. Why don't Why don't you just run cards that yeah. you can tutor for? Whereas drawing a 3-2 Flash Flyer that shuts down High Tide and Fetch Lands and other Maverick decks is just a fine card. Also, for the record, it is a basic land. I double-checked. Oh, the Harvest Worm? I was, cause I was like, I just thought about that. I'm like, why is nobody playing this guy? He seems insane. Well, basically, yeah. yeah. Um, so the other person in the room, besides the Hatfields that was playing High Tide, was person who top-aided, uh, Colin Chilbert. And really the only notable thing about his list is that he's playing two main deck Flusterstorm, uh, which is pretty interesting, but it's a, it's a pretty stock list. Um, so he's not running Snapcasters. He's not running Snapcaster. He has three Candelabras right. in the main deck, and then everything else is pretty stock. A lot of cantrips, the sure. time spirals. Um, he is still running the Cunning Wish version, which I think is is right, mm-hmm. uh, and then everything else is pretty stock. Then we have Kenny Caster um, running a pretty typical rug Delver list. Um, yeah. Nothing. This is the more the more standard rug Delver. And he has Stifle. Team. He does have Stifle instead of Spell Pierce, which is the more which is actually the older version. A lot of people have been switching to Spell Pierce, and he has Stifle. I think that Stifle's a really good call. Like, Absolutely. I, I, I'm not surprised that he did well on in this day, too. Yeah, well, I mean, Del- Rug Delver is the tempo-iest tempo deck that has been in Legacy for a while now. Like, probably since Canadian Thresh was a deck, this sure. deck's predecessor. And then, so, like, Stifle's probably just a better call than Spell Pierce. It also made for the one of the most amazing things in the tournament. Which was? The finals match between oh, uh, yeah. Tom Martell and... Uh, and Kenny, where uh, Tom Martell goes ultimate with Jace, 
Kenny stifles it, <laughs> and Tarvartel is then able to rego ultimate juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely awesome. That actually, that was a really good top eight. The whole top eight was yeah, awesome yeah. to watch. Um, then we had Caleb Durward, who ran super hot all weekend, who's actually just been... Uh, on a tear. Uh, yeah, on a tear, just uh, on the legacy scene. But he played a very non-Caleb Durward list. Yeah. Well, he played a very non... This is as normal of a list as you're going to expect to see Caleb Durward play. I did not... I expected him to play green. I did not expect to see blue cards based on what he's been playing lately. Well, he um, played Zoo with Jason at, at that one Star City event, but he always runs weird things. So, so to see him even he's been running black green a lot. So yeah. I, I really expected to see like more pernicious deeds or green sun zenith. But he ran a a, uh, a snapcaster Delver deck. It has Tarmogoyce in the mid deck. Still has Stifles. He had scavenging news um, in his deck, right? He had one scavenging news, none in the sideboard. But again, both of these rug decks boarding into the counterbalance uh, combo, so yeah. they're you know they don't die to the to the combo decks. And uh, he has Sulfuric Vortex and Sulfur em- uh, Sulfur Elemental in the right. sideboard. Sulfur Sulfur Elemental's unreal. So it kills Mother Runes. It kills. Uh, it takes down. Uh, um, gain six. Put three one ones into play. What's that card? Timely reinforcements. Timely reinforcements. Uh, I mean, it does a whole lot that you just, you know, it, it takes down step links. Like, it does a lot that you wouldn't expect it to do. Plus, it's just a threat that can't be countered. Right. Uh, next deck, Dan Jordan playing the more traditional Maverick deck. Um, he has uh, the three pieces of equipment and three Stoneforge Mystic, which I think is kind of cutting That's, corners to be no, honest. No, three Stoneforge Mystic is pretty much the number that they've decided on. Yeah, I, I I disagree with that. I think Stoneforge Mystic is still the best creature in the format. I I don't know why, like, w- like when you cut Force of Will, you can kind of make an argument for why cutting Force of Will from the Bant deck makes sense when you play like the no no Force of Will Bant. But like cutting the Stoneforge, like especially that first list where all the only equipment you have is two Jit. Right. I just I don't get behind it. So but, the reason why you do that is because Stoneforge gives you uh, less variance. Let's right. So it lets you ha- run four copies of three different types of equipment, basically, in your deck, at the cost of costing an additional colorless and a white, right? That's mm-hmm. the argument? So, you know, in those types of decks, a lot of people are like, well, I don't really need a batter skull. I don't really need a sword of whatever and whatever. All I really want is a jit, and I'd rather just pay two colorless to play it and two colorless to equip it, rather than paying this to search for the one copy. And then but again, remember, they had that that list had no Stoneforge, two Jet. If that argument were true, you would be playing four Jet, right? Because you, sure. no, you have no reliable or way three, to get it. Or three, or, yeah. So, like, this list has three Scavenging Ooze, three Thalia as, like, sort of the change to the deck, and then a random Elspeth. I would definitely like to see cutting any one of those to make room for the fourth Mystic. That's all I'm saying. Like, I, I it obviously worked for him because he top-aided a Lexi GP, but... Uh, I, I have not seen a, a lot of lists that are doing that. But um, so then then we have a pretty typical dredge deck, uh, except for that it has Flare of the Hatebound in it. Flare of the Hatebound is the new tech. is the new Flamekin Zealot, basically. Yeah, so you basically just reanimate that guy, deal a million damage yeah. on reanimating a Golgari Grave Troll. Right. So, and then um, the winner of the GP, Tom Martell, playing a very very uh, techy. Uh, Esper Blade list with Intuition and Lingering Souls, which were just like if you watch any of his covers that he played, were just absolutely bonkers. And he ran, so he ran one Intuition, right? One Intuition, four Lingering Souls, one Vindicate, and then some amount of Snapcaster Mages, I think. Yeah, yeah. So like, 
the the thing that I thought was weird was that he ran the Vindicate so that he could be like search for Vindicate Snapcaster Snapcaster or something with his intuition. Like was something that he that I heard someone say. Maybe it wasn't him. Yeah. But that's just like a it just seems like a really weird way to go about you know trying to destroy a permanent. I can't think of a permanent that you'd really spend eight mana on to try to kill. So yeah, it's 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 a really techie list that. Uh, you know, obviously, if you, again, if you watch the coverage, there's just so many lines of play. It ended up being a really interesting deck to watch, uh, especially, uh, it's funny, right when he was playing, um, Chris Lanzell was tweeting how much he, he disliked the Legacy format. He said, or it was like an hour before he started playing the Top 8 match, and he said, oh, it's just about stick your 1 and 2 drop, and then counter everything, and the game's over. And I'm like, you know, that's not how it works. It's not all about getting a Delver out. And just riding it, riding it to victory. It's really these games become really. That's what Rugdelver's about. That's what, yeah. Rugdelver right. is is pretty straightforward. But you know, a lot of these legacy decks, especially the ones that we're talking about when we talk about Star City Dallas, they just have so many things going on. And this deck, I mean, this really isn't. You draw your opening seven, and if it's a keeper, like there's so many lines of play. There's so many insane plays, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, there, are, uh, there are many. I'm yeah. not sure there are so many. So. And the other interesting thing about this Grand Prix was that um, it the it had a lot of players in it, and we've once again seen a big problem with buys in America. Yeah. Uh, other countries don't have the same issue, and it's kind of a the rich getting richer type thing, where we have a lot of events, so we get a lot of buys, and that you know if, if so, it, it the number of people that had two buys at Indy. And pretty much every American Grand Prix has been pretty absurd. And that meant, meant that uh, X21s got cut from top eight. Like, that is, you know, the, the, it, it's just a record where, you know, X21 has pretty, has for a long time, pretty much always been the cutoff for top eight. Like, and sometimes an X3 gets in when the, the you know, but X21s getting cut is pretty crazy. Yeah. So we're seeing, like, and, and, and again, it, it's a bigger problem in America because we have all these events that are paying out all these Planeswalker points. And now part of it could be that this is sort of fallout from the the initial rush where F&Ms were really high, and so people were just cramming F&Ms. And so we might not have it next season, you know, once the we get different um, different ratings, buys, and all that. Different, or rather, different Planeswalker points, buys. But for this season, I mean, it's just crazy that you go to a tournament and half people aren't playing in round two. I saw a lot of feedback that uh, they should have had an extra round because of yeah. that. And um, I definitely agree. I mean, yeah, it's, it probably sucks to have to play, you know, 15, 16 rounds of Magic and then a top eight. But, like, you know, that's just, that's just the way it's going to have to be unless you're going to want these people to miss the cut. And never having had a chance going into day two. Right, and like, that's why they added an extra round on the uh, Magic Online Championship Series. Mm. Because that was becoming a big problem where um, I want to say X and Ones were missing top eight in that because there were just, there were a lot of, you know, there were a lot of people with buys. And... Side note, that mocks, I hope they never do Phantom again because apparently that was just awful. You just play 15 hours of Magic. And and not make any prize and not get well, anything. Yeah, uh, they, they did. I mean, they paid out more prizes than last time. Yeah, so, and you know, realistically, most of the MOCSs are constructed anyway. Mm. So like, I don't have a huge problem with it, but it definitely is. Uh, they need to work something out. They need to at least, and they need to do an opt out or something. I, I, you know, there are so many people who played 
and some of them were playing at other live events at the same time. That's a whole other issue. Right. Um, there's people that played that just didn't even play, I think, because they just wanted the promo card. The last thing I'll say about the, the Legacy is... Uh, well, we got we got one more deck, and this one's... Oh, sorry. Uh, Adam Yurchik, uh, yeah, Buddy yeah, Lars, yeah. top-aided, and uh, he's playing a more traditional blue-white. Blue white blade, yeah. And uh, he had two Elspeth, three Jace, um, and then the, really the only odd one in his deck, especially for you know what he's trying to do, is he has a main deck Crucible, and again, no real way to tutor for it. Um, but, I mean, it it's just a really solid deck all around. This is the deck... If I was going to be playing at the MV this weekend, this is the deck that I'd probably play. Oh, nice. um, but anyway, let's, uh, Ruben, what's your final thought on GBC? Well, I, I don't think that the Blue-White Blade deck is good. I've said that multiple times, and we disagree on that, but that's fine. I just, yeah, you, also, you also don't think Hivemind's good. I also don't think Hivemind's good, but it's... I just... For the Blue-White Blade deck, I think that it, like, people... Good players play it because it has good cards in it, and that sort of skews its results more. But I just feel like it's 45% against the field in, like, all the testing I've done, and that's not a deck that I want to be playing. You know what I mean? I guess if you're a good player, you can take that 45%, turn it up to, like, a 53% against the field and make top eight because you're good at magic. But This is the kind of deck fine. you want to take to a, to a big, long tournament, I think. I don't think you want to take a deck that, you know, crushes the hell out of, of some decks, but then just dies in a burning fire to a combo. Sure. Which is why I would never take aggro loam to a GP. Because you're just going to beat all the, the silly, you know, small aggro decks, and then the second you have to play against the counterspell... Didn't an aggro loam win Nazium. the legacy it did, it, it did win in Dallas. Now, that's... You did not... No, no, no. I asked Sam, how many control matches do we see on camera? Uh, well, we didn't see play any control matches on camera, but that's not really the issue. Um... The, with the way Grand Prix used to be, I liked the strategy of taking a deck that had one or two bad matchups because you only had a top 16. But now that you have top four, right. it's a completely different animal. I mean, that is, that's the difference between being able to go, with, with the current environment, top 16 was like XN3, maybe X3 and 1, depending on how many people were there. Now top 16 is X2 and 1, and maybe X3. It's much harder to justify taking a deck that has big, uh, you know, big problems with, you know, combo or something. Sure. So, anyway, my point is that uh, with, well, I have two things about Legacy. One is, Caleb Durward's still not queued for the Pro Tour. He's top eight the last two Grand Prix, and he finished in the finals of a PTQ the week before. So he's been within one match of, uh, of queuing for the Pro Tour the last three weeks, which sucks. Um... I think that they should. They, that that's probably something Wizards can take a look at and be like, look, if you top eight, two, top two eight, yeah, not, be, not not giving it down the top eight of a GP, but that that's, that's a huge problem. Sure. How about yeah. if you top eight two GPs in the same season, you get an invite? Sure. And then the other thing is uh, ban lingering souls in every format. Because, <laughs> Which well, we'll talk about. The thing about about thing especially about Legacy is there are very very few flying creatures in Legacy, uh, and you know. Basically, in Legacy, they're unblockable. Because the only other flying creature I can even think of is Vendillion Click. How about Delver? Oh, Delver. Okay. What's Sarah Angel? Yeah, that one's in Legacy. Emrakul flies. Emrakul does fly, so you can, uh, yeah. you can block it. Give Don't give me some stuff. Away. And plus, creatures have reach. Giant Spider. Legal. Is legal, is legal in Legacy. Do you realize that that guy blocks Vendillion Click all day? Uh, I do now. There you go. He also survives past Lightning Bolt. He does. Yeah. All right, so let's go into our next topic, which is 
start. One that Sam might have a few things to yes, say about. SCG Dallas. That was the, the first time that I've done um, work for, for Star City Yay. to actually do coverage. And it was a real interesting experience. It's much harder than I thought it would be. And part of it is that the, the way that, they, that everything's set up, um, you know you should be looking at the camera, but there's a monitor right beneath it that shows you, and so you're just looking at yourself, and you're like... You vain, vain bastard. It, it's just natural. <laughs> you, you know, there's like a monitor with nothing really going on, or like a camera with like a telephone with nothing really going on, and then there's like pictures of you, and you're just like trying to like, what am I going to my teeth? Is, yeah, I, is my collar popped out? Sure. Right, is it popped out yeah. properly? Is it at the right angle? I just don't know. You're so vain. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's it was a it was a great experience. That you think you know, this monitor is about you. Sorry. Yeah, thanks. It's a great experience. There's uh, I the, the crew they have working it like it's just crazy. Like I I'm not a big traveler, so it wasn't uh, so it's was like you know rough for me to be like oh my god I gotta go to the airport and I gotta get there super early and now I gotta like do this and I hope my plane ticket and I hope my plane doesn't get late and they're just like doing it every weekend. Like, they, uh, most of that, I don't think everyone did, but most of that crew uh, flew into Dallas, went back, you know, the ones who, uh, who are actually, like, you know, work at the Star City Game Center, flew back to the Star City Game Center. You know, were there for, like, two days, flew out to, uh, to um, what was it, uh, Sacramento, mm. flew back, and then two days later had to drive up to the uh, Invitational. Hmm. I mean, the, the, the work those people put in is just amazing. And you just see it when they're uh, when they're working this event, the the well oiled machine they have running this thing. And not to mention that they have to be scheduling these all across the country, and the amount of time that it would take to have to like get in touch with somebody at a venue and like make sure everything's set up properly, come out there ahead of time or whatever. Like it's just that's unbelievable. I I definitely give humongous props to Star City for creating this circuit and like I mean and doing it well. Doing it well. Because there are other circuits that aren't doing quite as well, and that included the Grand Prix circuit up until this year. Yeah, and it's the fact that, you know, like with the Grand Prix circuit, you have different TOs, Yeah, and the, so, co- yeah, the coverage team now is pretty much the same, but you have different TOs running it. Like, this is basically the same TOs, this, uh, you know, the coverage team, team changes, but it's, you know, uh, the, you know, like, uh, they don't do every single one, every single person doesn't, but, you know... This, to see someone like Callie Anderson or Nicholas Sabin, Ricky Hayashi, they go, you know, they're just going all over the place. Yeah. Right. To Glenn, these Glenn goes Glenn to Glenn Jones goes to most of them. Dane Young goes to a lot of them. Uh, you know, then they have other people who you don't even know about. Right. Because they're kind of behind the scenes and doing Jeremy, them. for example. Is Jeremy at yours? Yeah. No, Jeremy no, was Jeremy not Jeremy was there. not at yours. No, so, Jesse but, was. Uh, right. But Jeremy and Jesse do all of them between the two of them. Right, right. right. So what, was some, what were some things from the weekend that stood out to you? I mean, standard... Uh, you know, it's kind of uh, there was kind of a, a wobbly format. Not, uh, we'll, we'll call it a quote-unquote new deck that came out, which was uh, Junkwalkers. Yes, that deck is so cool. Which is uh, black, green, white Planeswalkers, and it just plays like 11 Planeswalkers, no creatures. I have it pulled up. Uh, let's talk, I want to talk about All this right. list a little bit. Uh, okay, so it has uh, two Oblivion, I'm sorry, two Oblivion Ring, one Beast Within, one Dismember, one Go for the Vote, four Tragic Slip, two Elspeth, uh, Tyrell, Three Garuk Relentless, three Gideon Jura, one Karn Liberated, one Liliana the Veil, three Sora and Lord of Innistrad. Yeah. Four Day of Judgment, four Langring Souls, three Tezzeret's Gambit. So I know they, they featured this uh, deck on camera one time, I believe. Maybe once or one, once during the Swiss. Once in the Swiss and then once in the top eight. Right. There was actually another version we also featured earlier on in the day that was right. not as good. 
Yeah, yeah, he ended up losing that one. And yeah. he, but this deck is just like awesome. So so talk a little about uh what what he played against and like how, how this deck might fare. I don't even remember everything he played against. I remember the finals was against uh what was the finals against? Yeah. Well, okay, so this deck is, is pretty <laughs> it's interesting. It's like I don't even remember this point. This deck's pretty interesting because well, I mean you had you watched so many yeah, so many matches thing, on camera. Like, and it was two weeks ago. Yeah, two, three full weeks days. Ago. Yeah, I mean I watched it's it just crazy it just how many matches of, of magic you're watching and we had like nothing but different decks every single round. And they're handing you lists and all that. Yeah. Uh but this one's kind of interesting because you would think that this would have like some simulacrum or rampant growth, or You're some not really way to, ramping in anything. They're not. All they're doing is just playing removal, right? And planeswalkers, and like they have, they have day of judgment, and like and and, and uh, lingering souls, which is sort of like the odd one. But I guess they're they're trying to run the the Soren plan as a way to kill. Right. So just like you know, Lillian and lingering souls just makes back, Soren, you know, Soren, Soren. If you ever do, you, have you played Delver? I don't even know what you mean. Have you ever played? Have you ever played with the Delver deck? Yes. Uh, lingering souls is a real problem. I mean, if you have a sword, you get around it, but unless you have a sword, I mean, lingering souls is just, like, it either A, you know, makes it so that your, uh, attacks with your, um, your geist are, are not great, or B, I mean, it just blocks Delver forever, uh, you know, it, it even if you, uh, barring an invisible stalker, you know, or a sword, you know, it just buys you so much time, and this deck has wrath. It has removal for uh, or, for Delver or a bellowing tangleworm. Bellowing tangleworm. Okay, that is a problem for the lingering soul tokens. But yeah, like it's a mini. It, it's either an army that you can win the game with because it's four power worth of flying for five mana, or it's you know mini fogs. Yeah, you just got to fog forever, and you know you sort of force them to commit to the board, and you have all these wrath of gods. I mean, with fifteen planeswalkers in the main deck, there's got to be a lot of games just having. Two three planeswalkers out and yeah, and, and just you, making yeah. his opponent attack him. You know, and the lingering souls do a really good job of blocking. Right, and when creatures are attacking the planeswalkers, you're not they're not attacking you, yep. so you can afford to pay the two life for Tesseract's Gambit to get the tokens back on your, your planeswalkers. Yeah, like it, it's there's a lot of interesting little things happening in that planeswalkers deck instead of it just being here's some removal and here's some planeswalkers. Like that's. I guess what the deck is, but there's also some interesting little mm-hmm. interactions happening within within every. Little and the, the card I liked uh, I liked most of the deck was um, God, what was it? Uh, Life's finale. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, there's a one that, up in the sideboard. Yeah, and I, I wish I'd seen more of that because he played against. Actually, yeah, he played against green white, uh, splashing red ramp in the finals. Sure. Like like and. And um, if he had drawn that life's finale, he would have been able to get three Titans. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of decks run. that don't run a whole lot of creatures, and so if you life's finale, like you know, even Delver, you know, it just doesn't run that many creatures. It runs like sixteen creatures usually. You know, and so if you life's finale away like one Geist, and then and take like the other three. two of uh, three, like, or you get like all the creatures that are problematic for you. You get their snapcasters. The blue black deck control plays five creatures. Right, you know the, the top sixteen looks pretty standard. Uh, the, there's only a couple a, a couple standout decks. There's two white black tokens lists that ended up cracking the top sixteen. There's a lot of black blue zombies, which we saw on camera, also on uh, in, in the top sixteen. And you know, humans is sort of going going to the wayside. We only had one humans deck do yeah. well, and then there's a there's a Delver list, a blue white Delver list. Um, the but, Spectral Flight version? Yes. 
And the, which is an interesting card because we were just like, couldn't figure out why he's playing it and thought it was horrible. But it turns out that it's actually pretty good because uh, the way the format's going, decks like zombies, right? The sword is not particularly good against zombies. But you know what's really good against zombies? Flying Geist of St. Craft. <laughs> like, it turns out that Flying Geists are really hard to deal with. Right? Yeah, turns out that happened in Legacy, too. Yeah, last that's, yeah last, week, last week at Sacramento, the deck that won... Had two Spectral Flights in it. Four unstable mutations. Yeah, unstable four mutations. Unstable mutations. Yeah. Uh, Jarvis, you posted a uh, price ticker for <laughs> the price history of unstable mutation, and it went from, like, five cents to seven cents. Wow. So... We're we're doing business here, boys. We're gonna be picking up a lot of those. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it's uh, and I looked at the deck and the, the okay, so the guy got really lucky in his finals match. He was playing against Ad Nauseum, and uh, apparently one game the Ad Nauseum player uh, messed up and and died, and the other game the Ad Nauseum player actually just got really unlucky with his, with his Ad Nauseum and sort of like killed himself uh, well before it was all you know. Ad nauseum and died very, very quickly, well before it, you know, it should have happened. And so that's how he, because like I was looking at him, like how does he win this finals? He has like no counter magic really. He doesn't really have any, you know, he just basically like a beat down deck against a combo deck. Like the combo decks always win that. And no, it just turns out that, you know, sometimes you get lucky. Right. But, you know, it, again, that deck, you know, it, it takes advantage of the fact that Legacy, uh, you know, until we've seen Wrath of God a little bit more now than he used to be played. Yeah. But, you know, Hexproof Guy plus Instable Mutation equals a lot of damage. Right. I mean, Instable Mutation does seven damage by itself, essentially. The, uh, uh, we don't want to hang on this one too much because we've got more stuff to talk about. But the, the most interesting thing that I saw uh, on the coverage, I didn't go to um, the GP. So I was home kind of flipping between the coverage, which was actually just insane because I had <laughs> I was fully stimulated from like ten o'clock in the morning on Saturday until ten o'clock at night on Sunday. And he was watching the coverage. Oh, oh man. I was gonna ask you called your doctor because oh, they said it's last one four hours. <laughs> and uh, the 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 most I, I got to see the most ballsy play I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. Okay, let me let me set the scene here. Okay. So two players sit down to each other. They don't know what either player's playing, but we know what they're playing. It's a painter mirror match, okay? So player A, they both they both draw their seven, and they keep them. Player A goes Chromox, and he imprints a red spell and plays a grindstone, okay? Uh, no, no, no. He imprints a red elemental blast and, and plays a grindstone. So if you've played Legacy, you look at that, you say, he is on Imperial Painter. Like, that's the deck that he's playing. So then he passes the turn. His opponent, knowing this, just plays a City of Traders tap Painter's Servant. Actually just plays Painter's Servant in no fear whatsoever into, he, the, into the grindstone. He might have had a... Um, I, think, I think he might have had a Simeon Spirit kind of Elemental Blast, but still it's like... Like that's real... Well, no, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything because... Well, you have to blow your own guy, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. It's oh, yeah, in response to the activation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, yeah, we're, I'm watching it, and I'm like, oh, my God, how did this just happen? And his opponent's just like, well, missed the land drop, you, no. and, you and Zach, yeah, you're just like, uh... Yeah, how, <laughs> why would you ever do this? Oh, my God, what is going on? Yeah, that was, that was pretty funny. But the, the, the Legacy Top 8, as you said, did, did have an agrolom. Um, very, very interesting um, Top 8. Especially when compared to the Top 8 of Indy. Which, you know, Indy's top eight had six archetypes. 
none of which were aggro loan, which won, and there was a couple others, I think. Um, we just read down what the top eight was. There was a death and taxes. Right. Death and taxes, which, yeah, he, he had a, that was an interesting match to watch. He had, uh, so we had Agrolome, Rug, Stax, White Weenie, Stax, that was Storm, good. which I don't, I don't know what version of his off the top of my head, Blue White Stoneblade, Goblins, and then another Rug. Jeez. So just like, yeah. you know, we, that's seven archetypes. Yeah, pretty nice. A lot of those do not overlap with the archetypes that were the same day in yeah. Indy. Yeah. Yeah, that just that's just a testament to how diverse the legacy meta game is. Yep. And again, back to the comment about what would the legacy decks do? They just play these guys, the same right. the same creatures well, to protect them. I mean, another complaint about legacy is that like, oh, Jace Jace makes all the the control decks the same. Jace and, is a Yeah, it's, I mean it it's it's very good, but you know there are Jace is certainly not the most prevalent card. In Hell, the you played mono blue control and you didn't even play Jace. Right, that's amazing. Like. Well, anyway. I, I was running energy fields, so, so let's uh, let's transition more. over to our next one, which might be a short one because typically limited events are a little harder to talk about unless you have a uh, particular have a, story or something, or you're a podcast dedicated to to limited. Yeah, like oh yeah. So if you'd like limited limited resources, uh, Marshall Sucklip is now doing coverage for Wizards, and he's he going to do the Pro Tour. Yeah, Pro Tour, Avicen or Sword. Will be will be commentating both the constructed so. and yes. limited. Portions. I believe so. Nice. He, now, he's been grinding a lot of modern, so I think he's trying to diversify his... Yeah, I think he is, too. And, yeah. uh, and so, hopefully... I mean, he's, he's smart enough about the game that I think he could probably be on the same level, so I'd like to see how that turns out, because he did an excellent job at the, the, uh, the, the GP, which we didn't actually get to talk about because we didn't podcast, so right. shout out to that guy. Um, so there's a couple things we have to talk about about Nashville. Um, Reed Duke won, not only won, but went undefeated. That's pretty yeah. awesome. That's and an insane he, Reed Duke is someone who, uh, until maybe a year ago, I think most people didn't know who he was. And, but he is a long, old-school yeah. uh, moto grinder, yeah. Reader Rabbit. And so, like, you know, if you play a lot of moto, you saw his name a lot. It's just one of those guys that you just saw his name a lot. And uh, he's been doing well at this whole MOCS stuff. Like, I think two years ago, he, he uh, made the, the world championship thing. And then last year, he won it. So he's actually already invited to the World Championship for this year, or the Magic World Cup, rather. Right. And, you know, he's, he has made a big transition into Paper Magic, where he's been doing very well. And this is sort of the, you know, the next step in his evolution is winning a, you know, winning a Grand Prix. And, you know, it's just very impressive. Yeah. So um, another interesting thing that happened for the third time in a row. In, in, no, in the last four weeks. There was not one in Indy. Okay. Third so time in the last four. four American Grand Prix. There was a female Magic player to top eight. Yeah, there was. Lissa. I don't know the last name. Off her name's Lissa. Lissa. Um, which, yeah, uh, yeah. She was. never day two to Grand Prix. She obviously never top eight at a Grand Prix. And she made the top eight of a Grand Prix. That's amazing. Yeah. That yeah, was good. So good for her. Yeah. I, I, again, we talked about this on our cast a few weeks ago. The more... Uh, the more diversity we have in our game, the, the and, more it'll sustain. And the next time a woman top eights a Grand Prix, we probably won't even mention it. Like yeah, that's I mean, that, that's honest, the end goal. Let's be honest. Sure. It's we're gonna keep mentioning it until you know. Until it happens every week for a yeah, month. pretty much. Or for and six months. The, the other story that has gotten big press today. This is a uh, Tuesday, the twentieth or whatever. Um, there was a big controversy with Todd Anderson, right? Who I guess. They go, uh, he sits down against, the st- exact story's on to differ a bit, but basically he sits down against his last run opponent 
and uh, they are in a position where uh, it looks like they can both draw and both make top eight. And this is where it differs. Some people say that Todd said, well, we can both probably top eight, so we should draw. Some people said that he said, we, you know, we're both in for sure if we draw, right? And so they do an intentional draw. And the, you know, all the craziness with those, you know, pairings and tiebreakers and all that happens. And Todd Anderson ends up in the top eight and his opponent does not. And then I guess afterwards, uh, he is, he offered to give his opponent like half of his, uh, the guy who missed like half the difference or something. Um, but I mean, people got into real stink about it today because, uh, and some people are calling it cheating because he misinterpreted, he like misrepresented what... The, the, the standings were and that they were both guaranteed in. Other people are saying, well, maybe he's just really bad at math. And he did draw himself and his opponent out of top 64 the week before. Right. That's the thing is that he's probably just bad at math. Because in Indy, he did the same thing with his opponent said, you want to draw? I think we're both in top 64. And then both of them were out. And then the next week, he's like, you want to draw? I think we're both in top eight. And only one of them was in top eight, and it happened to be him. Sure. And then later, uh, people looked at the math. And people were like, this guy clearly, mathematically, was not going to be able to draw into top eight. Like, yeah. he, it's just that Todd not, doesn't know the, the, the combat math. Sure. We, and we assume that that's what the, you know, well, I don't think I've heard him say one way or another what happened. Uh, and, you know, people were saying that right afterwards he was, like, telling people that he got, he was eighth and his opponent was probably going to get ninth or something like that. Or maybe, or, like, he was like, well, I'm going to either eighth or ninth. So, I mean, I don't know exactly, uh, you know, I'm sure it'll play out over the next few days. And the big thing that I think is that what he did was definitely not illegal. Like, telling your opponent, if we draw, we're going to top, uh, we should both top eight or whatever, isn't, I don't think that's illegal. Yeah, that doesn't sound like... If you know that you can, that if you draw, you're going to top eight and your opponent's not, I would call it immoral. Mm -hmm. It's there, it's something that, that would have appeared on the Starkington Post, does that make sense? Yeah. Because, like, Starkington Post was very into these, like, news stories that no, none of the other web sites were really going to talk about, like, player-player interaction kind of things. And so, like, it's, it's just a, it is just a little weird that, uh, that, uh, that this happened, you know, basically in back-to-back -back weeks, but also a little weird that it happened and he made it into the top. Like, like it, it makes it look like... He scummed his way into top eight, which I don't think is what happened. And at all. and also the other thing about it is that you know it, it's a weird kind of situation because no this happens all the time and nobody makes a big deal about it. Like and for some reason this this one has been a big you know uh, controversy. I'm not exactly sure why, but I mean yeah, I would say that if you are a player and you're going to go into the last round and draw. Um, you have the responsibility to tell your opponent uh, what you know what you understand the odds are, and if they if they say, if, you know, like I I drawn when I knew I was like uh, under uh, under fifty percent to make top eight, and that's because I was I knew that I was even worse in my matchup. What if I, I mean the thing that I I've always uh, uh, liked is to to have like friends around you that are good at math. So yes. get, get that one friend. Who's really good at crunching it? Maybe right. they've made a bunch of top eights, or maybe they just happen to understand how it works out. Um, and tell them, say, "Hey, I'm doing well. I'm six and one. There's two more rounds left. Like, I, you know, I, I need to know if well, I never, can... never. That's never two more rounds. It's always like no, no. Like, hey, I might be coming to you next round. Like, can, okay, we, can yeah. you start looking at yeah. the the match win percentages and kind of give me an idea where I'm at? Match ends so that you can crunch it quick, so that when you sit down to the table, 
you know what you're going to do. Otherwise, you're just going to stall it out. And, you know, if I'm like, hey, well, I'm going to play it, and you don't have anything to back it up, then you're going to end up playing it, and maybe you'll lose. So, and know, like information's power there. And, like, there's always so much that can happen. Like, if there's a clean cut, you know, you can just be like, okay, we should draw it because there's a clean cut. That's easy. When it comes to the other tiebreaker stuff, like, as much as you think that there's no way, like, unless you know who everyone who's kind of, like, in contentions, right. uh, uh, <laughs> what their, what, who their opponents were. I mean, I was at a, a PTQ, and admittedly it was only a six-rounder, but um, this was years and years ago. I was Obviously. maybe third or fourth, uh, like, in the standings, and I drew the last round. And what happened was is that uh, like everybody drew. Like, I, I couldn't figure it out because there was, like, you know, like the top two tables, the top four, I guess it was the top four, three people were guaranteed in. Um, there was, like, three people who had uh, 200 feet or like, 300 feet or something, or two, three, three people that had one draw. And I got paired against one of them. And I'm like, yeah, I'll draw. And what happened was that all, like, I, when I'm walking around the, uh, the, the tournament, and I realized that every single person I played that entire day is still in the tournament, and every single one of them lost, including one of them who lost to the guy who was um, X, uh, X1 and 1 to begin with. And so I got ninth on breakers. And it was like, you know, I had great breakers going into the last round. And it just so happened that all of my opponents lost. And that happens, you know. That, that is just something that can occur. Like, your breakers generally don't change a whole lot round by round. But every once in a while they do. And so, you know, you sit down and you say, look, here's what the math looks like. You know, the next, the next closest person has to jump by four points. You know, so I think that we're a really good shot. You know, you can take it or leave it. But, do you, th- you know, basically do you think that you have a better shot of winning this match or your or this guy both winning and jumping four points. Sure. So uh, unless anybody has anything else to add about GP Nash, let's trans- transition to um, our next topic, uh, which is Star City Baltimore, which is the Invitational this weekend. Yeah. And uh, so it's multi-format, uh, as they always are. So we have Standard and Legacy. Mm-hmm. And uh, why don't we just talk about, well, Sam, you're going to be commentating. I'll be commentating. With Joey Pascoe. That's his home group. Yep, Joey Pascoe and Jake Van Loon. And Jake Van Loon, okay. It is a, a, a triple threat thing. As all the invitationals are. Yeah, now all the invitationals now are, are, are three commentators, and what, what they're doing is, uh, it's actually going to be a three-day event. Mm-hmm. Friday is going to be the uh, the first day of the invitational, Saturday's the second day, and Sunday is top eight. Sure. So watch out for that. And, and they still have an open at these. And they do still have an open. Right. There's going to be all kinds of magic going on. Of course, if you if you do decide to go, uh, be very careful because there were a lot of thefts at Grand Prix Baltimore, and it's at the same event site. Yeah, and I'm sure that Star City is going to do what they can to try and stop this kind yeah. of stuff. But you know, if uh, you know, and we could talk for hours on this on subject. Security, sure. Yeah, but you know, it you know, you just have to be so careful. Yeah. Like you have you, I, I know how much my magic cards mean to me, and I probably don't have the the amount of money. Uh, in, a, in a binder that a lot of people who are carrying around yeah, you. Yeah. And, you know, it, it just takes a second. These people are, it's, this is not like you're at your local game store where you like, you forget your binder and you come back an hour later and it's gone. This is like, you set your book bag down and they wait, they, they watch and they wait for the one time. That you take your eye off it for three seconds. Right. And they get it. And yeah. so, you know, if you go, of course, be very careful. Um, but it should be a great event. Right. Uh, you know, it's the, it, you right. Standard legacy, a lot of big name players are coming because, again, uh, the the Star City individual opens 
uh, less people. There, there are less names at each individual open now. Mm-hmm. But the Invitational, I mean, it's uh, it's a it's a huge purse. It's kind of like a about half a Grand Prix. Actually, no, it's more than a Grand Prix, isn't it? Yeah, it's more than a Grand yeah. Prix now. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a much smaller event, and so everyone who's qualified. You know, a lot of not everyone, but a lot of people who are qualified are going to be playing in it. Mm-hmm. You'll see a lot of the top names who start to the game. You'll see like you know all the top writers, sure. all those people like that, like Ruben Bressler. Yeah, so so Ruben's yeah, playing. I'll be there. Ruben, um, what are you thinking about grinding? If you don't mind giving it away. So I am going to play uh, Hive Mind. Uh, Cranny and I had a short discussion about what we thought the uh, meta game was going to look like, and we decided that Hive Mind had a good matchup against pretty much the top. Five, six decks in the field. Just don't play against Merfolk. Just don't play against Merfolk. Don't play against Dredge. Or if you do play against Dredge, have four Leyline of the Boys on the sideboard. Yeah. So that's what we're doing. Um, I'm basically going to play David Sharpman's list with like very minor like changes. 0.01%. Yeah. Because um, Sharpman's way better at magic than mm-hmm. I am. So I'm pretty sure 0.01% is like so changing gonna... the language on one card. <laughs> right. the same I'm, I'm going to play Sharp Mind. It's my deck. In Legacy. And then in Standard, I'm going to... Do you not like my puns? That Sharp Mind was not a good pun. You don't like Sharp Mind? I like that no. one. So anyway, I'm going to play uh, Blue Black Zombies, I think, in Standard. Because that's just my style of deck, and I'm... Why not Red Black Zombies? I could play Red Black Zombies. I like that. I, I, I don't mind that. Red Black Zombies. Um, I'm going to play know. Zombies. I don't know which one's better. I'm going to play Geralt's Messengers and Grave Crawlers. Yeah. That's my deck. Yeah, zombies are the zombies are the hot ticket right now. I mean, that's, I like uh, I, I like your choice of hive mind. I just want to talk about it just for a second. We were talking about um, good choices for the GP, and I feel like everybody's on the Maverick. Train yeah, a right lot now. of people are on the Maverick. Plan. And um, and that's just like one of those decks that even after sideboard, you're just gonna crush the hub. Right, because we were we were talking about dream halls for a little bit, and like there's always an awkward situation where you can be like, all right, resolve dream halls. Okay, keep going. All right, play this Conflux. All right, in response, destroy your... Quasali Pride Mage, your Dream Halls. And then you're just... Right. You're done. Yeah, so if a, if a Pride Mage sticks, you're, you have to combo twice. Yeah, you have a lot of... Or find some other way to kill them, like a Bulgarian Hawkeye or something. Right. Like this, if you're running that. So, anyway, Hive Mind does not have this problem. No, it does not. So, uh, that's what I'm going to run. And I you think under, you're going to run good with this. If you understand the stack properly, you need to run Crows and Grove. With Hive Mind? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you go packed. So, like, the thing about Hive Mind is that you retain priority through all of it. And so, like, if your opponent has a, enough mana to pay for, like, let's say you have a Summoner's Pact and a uh, Blue Pact, right? And your opponent's playing Maverick, right? And they might, you go, okay, maybe they have a, a Crows and Grip or something. You can go Green Pact, and then you have the first opportunity to respond. So you, you respond pass. with Blue Pact, right? Yeah. Now, your opponent's Green Pact um, trigger is on the stack. To, for Hive Mind to create have the green pack, but it's not actually on the um, it's not resolved. So what happens is they have there's a, a, a blue pack where they can target something. The, the, right, right. And the blue pack can only target your blue pack or your re, or your green or pack. They cannot target their own pack. So no matter what happens, they pay for both packs. Yeah. Right. And you can do that with any number of packs, basically. My, my head just had a bunch of moto triggers in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and that's, so I had to just. I just had to exactly work through right. that. So. And the deck has a lot of, like, real uh, a real good tricky stuff like that where you can um, go off pretty easily. And uh, it's really hard for your opponent to sort of stop your combo once you start going off. Yeah. And the sideboard is really geared to, like, the three awkward matchups, which are mostly other combo decks. So I've got just four Leyline of Sanctity, four Leyline of the Void. 
and some other things that like deal with that. And then like I've got fire spouts to deal with like meddling mages and other random hate bears. So I think it's a, it'll it'll be a good choice. I, I like it. I think it's a great deck. Lot right now. Yeah, meddling mage is real good yeah. right now. So you, High tide has a real tough time beating. Yeah. It. For sure. Um, and so, like, I expect, like, the blue-white blade lists, for example, to, to play uh, Hive Mind. Or what do you, to play what do you name Mage. with uh, Meddling Mage against um, High Tide? Probably Show and Tell, which is pretty awkward. Because against High Tide? Can, or against High Tide, you name the High Tide. Because yeah. they have to Cunning Wish for three mana and then Echoing Truth for three so for two mana. At that point. It's really slow. So, uh, but, but Meddling Mage against uh, Hive Mind even doesn't really have as big of a problem. Because you can randomly Grim Monolith into your Hive Mind. So yeah, they you could probably, just name, I probably or, just name, like, Green Pact or something. I don't no, know, you like, name Show and Tell. You name Show and Tell, yeah. Well, I mean, it depends what deck I'm playing. If I'm playing Jace, I don't care if you Show and Tell. Like, I want to name the card that's going to kill me. Well, I, the thing is... Are talking about got, turn two? Okay, yeah. I suppose there's green, a million theoretical blue pact, situations. Green Pact, Black Pact, and Red Pact. Some ver- some. I mean, yeah, I guess I probably need Red Pact, because that's only four of them. But yeah, yeah, I mean, there's still Green Pact. I mean, you, 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 know. you, you do just... I mean, I, yeah. You just name Show and Tell, because then they you actually force them to... To hard cast, to hard cast it, and you have sure. whatever deck. If you're playing Meddling Mage, you have some sort of counter spells. You could fight it that way. Sure. The other thing is that I've, I'm going to have Pyroblast and Slaughter Pact after board, right. and fires and fire spout. So I think that's a good choice. And then I'm going to play some number of zombies, some amount of zombies, either red, black, mono black, or blue black. Probably blue black because I really like Diagraph Captain. Yeah, I just think he's insane. And Phantasmal Image is actually pretty good. Phantasmal Image is real good in that deck, like on a captain especially. Plus, it lets you actually beat an Elishnorn. Right. That's funny true. story. We actually beat an opponent on our uh, finals of our draft last night. Yeah. It went turn three Diagraph. black blue captain, turn four black blue captain. All, all three, three games. games. <laughs> all three games he did that. It was a nice, nice life, and we won. What were you playing? Mono white. Mono we drafted white. mono. We, we were the only white drafter at the table. So we wow. wheeled a Gather the Townsfolk and a Loyal Cathar in the first, uh, in the first pack. You wheeled a Cathar? Yeah, we wheeled a Loyal Cathar. God. So uh, let's talk just a little bit about the bannings that just happened last night, which right. uh, it's kind of funny because these days, you know, that the hackers uh, on the message boards are able to get into Wizards uh, where they, they, they determine into what the head. string is. Not, yeah, right. their head. So, so the, the article heading had the picture of intangible virtue on it. Which this is, this is the third time now. It happened before with... Uh, uh, Ponder, Ponder and, and Stoneforge Mystic. In Survival of the Fittest. Oh, I thought it happened with Stoneforge Mystic. I don't think oh, so. Oh, okay. Um, so we saw Intangible Virtue and Lingering Souls get, get banned in block. Which in is block. like... In block. Wow. Well, have you, block. have you seen any in block? No, uh, no, no. no, no. I, I'm, I'm 100% Like, Todd Anderson's <laughs> deck at the limited GP was not very good. But every time he played Lingering Souls, he won. Right. So he made it to the finals, and you know that's, right. that's how powerful that card but is. We have a, the whole thing is we have Pro Tour App Center store coming up, which is a block Pro Tour. Right. The block format currently is white tokens, and then you just decide on how you want to support that. Whether it's sure. and you know there's a lot of different ways people like you, you know people are playing like three color versions with like red and green, so you can play you know Hellrider. Uh, yeah, Hellrider. You know you played uh, then you you would play um, Brave Revelation. Uh, in white green, just so you could deal with your opponent's tangible virtues. Right. Like, it was a real disaster. Like, the block was just turning out. It was kind of like the affinity block, right. where you, you were definitely playing affinity. The question was, are you playing the green sideboard to kill your opponent's artifacts, or are you playing the, the red sideboard to cast dragon and to have shrapnel blast? Like, my, 
I was going to say, my favorite comment to this, uh, to the band, uh, the band restricted announcement, uh, isn't even, I don't know who said it, but it's, uh, I know what I'm playing this fall. <laughs> like, if, you know, Future Future League or whatever, if this was so oppressive and block that after Mirrodin rotates, or with, without the presence of yeah. Mirrodin, that this deck becomes so good that they had to ban two cards, right. that, like, maybe that's just uh, the way yeah. of the future. No Slagstorm, no, you sure. know, Wormpool. There's no Slagstorm, there's no Wet Flare, there's no Ratchet Bomb. Yeah. All those cards are going. So, yeah, I mean, this card, this this could be real big. Like, now keep in mind... No Black Sun's again. Right, yeah. no Black Keep in mind, though... That we have a lot of sets for that. Sure. We have. In, in a whole new base set. Yeah, a whole new base set. You know, and then we're losing Titans, and so that, that alone uh-huh. is just going to completely shake things up. So, yeah, you can't, like... Like, it's a little premature to say, I'm playing tokens, but well, I'm playing tokens. This is a little disappointing to, uh, to me because... Um, over the weekend, uh, I went to a vintage, vintage tournament that was running Comic Town. Were there Lingering Souls there? There were no Lingering Souls, but... Um, uh, Dave Nolan, who's a local player here, came up to me and told me that when he was at the GP, there was a gentleman who had a very large box that was filled with block decks from from uh, days past. And in the past, if you've listened to our show long enough, you know that we have loved to pick these kinds of ideas up. We, me and Sam at one point did 1996 Type 2 and built all these decks and battled them against each other. And, uh, I, and you know, me and Ruben and, and some of our friends, uh, uh, our friend Riley, we, we've talked about doing a uh, battle of the sets. And this idea is just insane. Um, so the, the current idea is to build two sets, or sorry, two decks from each block. I think you only have one deck from each block. Right. And then you just roll a dice, figure out which deck you play, and then battle them. So that way, like if you're playing Invasion, you can play Star Spangled Slaughter and Eminent Domain as your two decks. If you're playing, you know, uh, 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 Kamigawa block, maybe you have a White Weenie deck and a Gifts deck. Something like I, that. You know what I'm playing? What are you, what are you playing? I'm playing... Guys? No. Though Ferris is really good. Ferris you know, and Kithkin? Uh, did they ban anything? Because like, like, sometimes they ban things like post Retroactively, yeah. Yeah, like like uh, like at the end of Mirror and Block, they ban, like after the block was over, they banned the Artifact Lands yeah. and all that. So like you wouldn't want to Mirror. Well, Mirrodin's actually probably okay because you do still get Tooth and Nail. And oh, what was the other yeah, deck? Yeah, you still get Tooth. You still get Tooth. So I'm trying to think of what the other big deck was there that you could still play. Like, Maybe one of those combo decks, like there was like a March uh, of the Machines or something, or Carclan Ironworks is really good. Yeah, Carclan Ironworks is the other deck that I was thinking you could play. That they would actually probably be really good. The losing the Arctic lands might make it bad. Sure. Uh, I want to play Saga, okay? Because you got Hermit Opposition, yeah, which deck was awesome. You also, yeah. got, you also have Mono Brown, yeah, the Mono Red Wildfire deck, where yeah. you had Covetous Dragon Wild. Like, how does a block deck ever beat Wildfire? <laughs> like On turn three, yeah, it's it's or turn. Yeah, turn three. It's kind of crazy, though, too, because as you're brewing, like, the really interesting part for me isn't necessarily going to be making the main decks. It's going to be the sideboards. Because there's going to be decks that are really oppressive, that, like, fairies is just such a monster. Like, okay, what do we have in our deck that's going to be able to deal with flyers? Or what are we going to have in our deck that's going to deal with the turn two? Did they ban Bitter Blossom and Block? That's what, I, I don't th- I'm, that's what I'm trying to remember, and I don't know if they, like... Because, like, yeah, sometimes they do, like, sort of at the end of the block season, just ban it for posterity's sake. So they yeah. Can, and so I don't think they did, but I could be wrong. I think that secretly Wizards is concocting a way to do build your own standard in some in some way. Build your own standard would be such a disaster. I, I'm just just throwing it out there. I don't care what you what conspiracy theories you have okay. in mind. I wish that build your own standard. Do you know existed. what the judges would have to do when yes, you're in deck, checking deck list? 
Like, cause the thing is that you can look through deck lists and go, okay, like, if we, if we had a block PTQ season, you could look through deck lists real quickly and just make sure that no one's playing, like, random cards that are not legal. Uh, with built around standard, no. Like, you, you have to have, like, two people that the entire turner are just going through deck lists and, like, you'd have to hire, you'd have to hire, like, Rain Man. super experts who were like, no, I remember, this card was not an Ice Age block, we need to get this card. And you'd actually have, what you'd have to do is you'd have to have, like, like, round six, they're like, sorry, dude, you're disqualified. You put in the wrong cards. Right. Like, it would take that long to go through everyone's deck list and you check for them. You wrote down Savant instead of Venter the Sojourner. That's in the wrong block. You're dq The thing is, in the spirit of the format, like, DQ'd. you're brewing within the constraints of having to build within a specific block. If you go outside of that, you're cheating. But if, like, but if you're but playing it's not intentionally necessarily sponsored by Wizards, then you're going to have The cheaters. only way that's possible is if you pick a card that has second printing with a different expansion symbol or something out of a base set. And it's pretty easy the, to pick the, those out. The ba- well, the, the base sets is, are really hard uh, because, you know, it's like, okay, what's your base set? Tenth. And then you just have a card in there, like, you know, that people don't remember isn't in the block. Like, it was in ninth and it was in uh, M10 or something, but it wasn't in tenth. Okay, if you and me were sitting at a table and we had to deck check 100 people, how many do you think we'd miss? Uh, probably quite a few. I, I think it is much... Like, I'm not going to go through the difficulty of creating deck lists and being like, okay, spot check these hundred deck lists or whatever. I'm just saying most of these are tournament caliber cards that are very modular in nature. Affinity cards, fairy cards. Let's let's get back to uh, the cards. point of th- what this was, which was uh, there was a point. There was a point which was we were talking about block format. Oh yeah, so story. so they banned intangible virtue, and so for me, I am oh, yeah. I'm oh, upset no. that the, like Innistrad. now Innistrad has no deck. Well, no Innistrad has. Okay. First of all, Innistrad's got another set to go. Second of all, we haven't had the Pro Tour yet. I'm yeah. Like, there will be plenty of fine decks of the Pro Tour. They will figure it out. It's like if you went back to Mirrodin block and you're like, okay, we're going to ban Hero Blade Hold, right? Or we're going to ban Tempered Steel. Let's say we ban Tempered Steel, right? There are still plenty of decks. Just, sure, it's just not sure. all Tempered Steel. So the last subject that we have isn't necessarily going to be a full topic because we want to have an entire episode on it. I want right. to just get the Cliffs Notes and maybe a little plug for something that Ruben did this weekend, which is really cool. Uh, which is the new, newly announced MTGO Cube, right? Uh, which Wizards basically came out and said, uh, for a limited, undisclosed amount of time, for some period... It's, it, it's like a weekend is all they're doing it for. Uh, they're going to be allowing MTGO Cube drafts. And uh, so the, the, the initial reaction that we have, we're going to talk about the cards that are in there, the timing around it... Um, just pretty much the every intricacy possible relating to to the Moto Cube. We're gonna have a whole episode dedicated to it. But Sam, do you have any initial thoughts on this before we close up? Yeah, so I actually like it. It's a lot larger than most cubes that I enjoy. The big thing about it is there are a lot of really weird cards in there, and I think I, this has you know uh, in, in a reversal of how this usually works. Tom Pilly actually designed the cube, and Max McCall developed the cube. So for just this once. If something you don't like happens, blame Max McCall. Right. <laughs> just, right. Just this one. Because whatever happens, Tom can be like, yeah, I, I had that and got cut. Like, you know. Right. Well, he added that or whatever. Um, no, no, notable rat catcher, Tom Lapilli. Yes. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of cards that are not normal cube cards. And the reason why I like it is that um, I think people, I, like it or not, I think that the cube community does get very insulated very easily. And there are a lot of cards that people are like, oh, that card's horrible, right? And I think that a lot of people haven't tried them out. And I think that a lot of people who are playing it, who are going to play it, have not really played cube before. Mm-hmm. And it's good to have a much larger cube that has a much bigger variety. Yeah. And so it's not just like everyone's drafting the same seven or eight decks. 
over and over and over and over and over again. Sure. Like you, you, you have to work a lot harder. It's going to feel a little bit more like another limited format. Mm-hmm. And I hope that you know. I hope this is not the last time in MotoCube. I hope that they already said that when they bring it back, they're going to change the list. But I'm really hoping that they do huge revamps to the list. That it's not just like right. You know, like okay, we took out Emmercole and we added in this guy in a new set. I hope sure. that it it works like you know either a they, you know, the next cube is a 360 cube, and it's completely designed differently. Mm-hmm. The cube after that is some kind of theme yeah, cube. tribal cube. Right. And then, you know, what I would really like to see is that every once in a while, like maybe like three times a year, they basically take somehow submissions from the community, and they, you know, you submit your cube. Or win an event. Win a cube event, and yeah. then you get to submit your list or something. I, 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 I'm, I'm sure against... you have a million reasons why that's wrong. But I, I'll, I'll tell you why that's wrong, because the dude is... <laughs> I'll some tell guy, you why that's wrong anyway, even though I tried to stop Owen Turtonwald is going to win it, and he's going to submit 360 basic lands. No, then they'll say, why? just like an invitational <laughs> card, they'll say, okay, you're an idiot, we'll take second place. <laughs> I'm just saying, if, if, if you'd let anybody do it, and you're okay. just like, that's... you win an event, somebody is going to submit something that's okay. horrible, and they're like, okay... Bad idea. Well, you've had your final thoughts. Now that now that you've argued against this thing that's never actually going to happen, um, going back to the point about uh, like the the design and all that good stuff, I actually had a conversation with Zach Hill this weekend with me, Usman Jamil at Usman the Rad on Twitter, who writes cube stuff for Star City, and Eric, Mr. Suitcase, Mr. Suitcase, Eric from uh, Monday at Magic. Uh, Eric MTG on Twitter, I think, and uh, we we basically interviewed Zach Hill, who was not a lead designer, but had this been a real set, would have been on the design team. Basically, he was like helping, he was cubing and helping to develop the list and all that good stuff. And we had a nice interview with him about the thought processes behind a lot of the the stuff that we thought was odd, or you know, we just wanted him to to say a few words about, and so. That was a, that was a really fun time for us uh, sitting out in the hallway at the Gaylord Opryland talking to him. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. So I want to definitely thank Zach Hill for his his patience and time and efforts in in putting getting Cube on. We will try to cross post the interview to the In Contention site. Um, I don't know if that'll be done by the time this gets put up, but we'll we'll certainly tweet about was it. From wasn't the, it? Um, it was on the Third Power. Oh, okay. I thought I thought he wrote about it in his article. Yeah, he so, linked it to his article later. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, so, so we'll post it, um, or at least put a link, and then maybe tweet it from the Incontention account. Um, it, and uh, just to throw my final thoughts on on this, obviously, this is a you know, if this is a regular thing, this is, I might have to like uh, disconnect my internet connection because I could potentially just be spending all of my time. Cubing right. uh, nonstop. Well, again, it's only for a ever. weekend, so. So that that's my only gripe with it is that you know Wizard says, hey, we're going to be better about communicating, and then they come out and say, hey, we're going to do a cube, but we don't know how long or you know any details around it except that we're going to run it this this one weekend. Not like, hey, if it's a hit, we're going to do it again, or hey, you know, it, there's just not enough detail for me. I just want to know two things: one, how long is it going to be up? Uh, uh, you know, it, I know you said like one week, but. Well, I think it's but, like it's like over PAX East or whatever, which it, is like a Wednesday through a Saturday, through a Sunday. Or so, well, they said it's going to be available after that for a week after PAX East, okay, or, or the, as soon as the tournament starts at PAX East. It's something like that. So, um, I want to know that, and then I want to know like what, like w- when is it going to come back? Like, is it going to be once a month? Is it going to be every time a new set comes out a month after that? So, like, it's not eating into release queues or something. Like, I'm sure that there's a strategic way they're going to do it, but like, why the hell not just tell us? Because all you, you have people because eager. they haven't decided yet. 
Then why release it? Why the hell say anything? Okay, well, we'll just not release it ever. No, just get people in a room and decide these things. That's no, all. but I think the entire point is that they're going to put it out. They're going to see what the response is. They're going to sell the crap out of it. You well, that's that. the thing. Is because Okay, let's say they do that. They, then they're going to take it away. And they're going to say, how are we going to do... How are we going to sell, you know, four three two twos of this and not have everyone just enter four three two twos of this and never sell another pack online sure. ever again? No, that's, 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 so that's, that's, that's one of the concerns, and there's, like, a whole list of other things. The bottom line is this has happened, and it's a good first step. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm 100% for it. Right. Then they've done a lot more good than they've done bad in, right. in, in the Cube thing. Now, their communication is, is not great, and we're, you know... We think that they should communicate better because we're in a relationship with wizards and they're not communicating, and it's very sad for us. <laughs> but and, and we'll grind, we'll grind this topic a little more when we talk about about me. our episode of in cube tension. <laughs> that we'll <laughs> actually t- only talk about the, the MTGO cube for, yeah. for a whole short episode. So, do we have any closing thoughts before we're about to go cube ourselves? We have a right. whole cube group yeah. standing behind <laughs> us. There's n- nine people in this room right now. We're the just, masses are, are restless. If, if you're not... We have ten. Yeah, we do yeah. have ten. If you're not going to Baltimore, at least turn on the coverage and watch the rotational. It's, yeah. Yep. It starts Friday, so if you're at work, you Sam, know, just... Sam will be doing commentary. I'll be in the feature match area three or four times. And I get my ready. <laughs> streaking. Streaking. I won't be playing. I'll just be running through it naked. Hey, can you can you run that? Just be the first. Just the be the first, first street speaker. Just run across the terminal. That's so awful. The problem is there's no security. The you way the camera there might free. be security. Oh, now. there might be. You're right. And the way the cameras are set up, you know, <laughs> they're gonna have a hard time catching. You have to actually flop on the table. That's true. <laughs> I, and that's gonna be some great coverage to rewind later. That's gonna be all over YouTube. If I'm just like. You know, just face down on the table. Probably face nothing up would be more productive. Nothing but full moon's rise. <laughs> if you're if you're if you're streaking, you probably want to go uh, go on your back. So just, I mean, just do the reverse jump, like you're doing. Uh, like, like, yeah, do a snow angel. Yeah, yeah on no, the table. Too much. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, so if uh, there's anything else to add, starting to close this up. All right. Well, until next week, we're in contention.